This morning we're we're considering Psalm 110. Psalm 110, I'll ask you to turn to that psalm. It's a shorter shorter psalm than some of the ones we've been considering recently. One of the commentators says this psalm is pure gospel. It focuses us on Jesus. All the psalms are about Jesus. All the chapters in the Bible point to Jesus. This one points to him in very special ways and prepares us to come to the table. Let's stand. Uh, I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Hear God's Word. This is his holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible Word. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power, in holy array. From the womb of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless our understanding of this, of this beautiful psalm, that we would be able to sing it in our hearts. We pray that you would make us more like Jesus and, and give us joy in serving him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This psalm is pure gospel. So says Matthew Henry. Psalm 100 verse 1 is the most quoted verse in the New Testament. The chapter of Psalm 100, 110 verse 1, Psalm 110 itself is the most quoted chapter in the New Testament. It goes, it, it, it goes from eternity past to eternity future. And it focuses on Jesus himself as the Messiah, the coming Messiah for David. Uh, it says a Psalm of David at the top of it. Uh, we don't uh, believe that those words are inspired the way the rest of the words are. But the New Testament makes it really clear that David wrote this psalm and that he spoke this psalm by the power of the Spirit. He was inspired to write this psalm. Of course, all of Scripture is inspired, but that is, that's clear in the New Testament. Uh, this is a, a view from 
one end to the other. There's, the, there's a discussion of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit uh, in eternity past. There is promise of the rule of this prophet, priest, and king, Jesus the Messiah, in eternity future. As you come from eternity past uh, up to creation and then to about 2000 B.C., then you, you have a reference to Abraham and Melchizedek. Melchizedek shows up and is obviously in a more righteous position than Father Abraham. It's amazing. Melchizedek, king of Salem and king of peace, king of Jerusalem, does not, uh, he does not give tithes to Abraham, but Abraham gives tithes to him. Melchizedek, about in the neighborhood of 2000 B.C. And then Melchizedek is not mentioned again for a thousand years. But then David talks about him in 1000 B.C., just pretty close to 1000 B.C. And then he's not mentioned, Melchizedek's not mentioned again up until the New Testament. But then he sort of explodes onto the New Testament, having been mentioned only twice, once 2,000 years before and once 1,000 years before, but he, he, because he's pointing forward to Jesus. Uh, and then now we're 2,000 years beyond that and we get to read about it Psalm 110 verse 1 the Lord says to my Lord you see a difference between those two words Lord and Lord I hope you can see that in whatever version that you have before you the Lord is Jehovah Uh, it should be something like Lord like small caps The O-R-D should be written differently there from the way it's written for my Lord, L-O-R-D, as normal writing with the lowercase letters at the end of it. So the Lord says to my Lord. So (laughs) you have David. David, from the point of view of heaven at about 1000 B.C., David was the top man. It didn't make any difference how big the other nations were. This was the king of God's people. This was the representative of Jesus Christ in the whole world. He is the top of anybody in the world at that time from the point of view of heaven. And so David at the top looks up. And who does he see above him? Who is describing, what, whom is he describing? Of course, he described the Lord over and over again, lots of different ways. But he is describing a discussion that is taking place above him. The Father is speaking to the Son. Jehovah, Yahweh, Yahweh is, is speaking to Adonai. To the son. And the father says to the son, Son, you're going to win. Son, I'm going to give you a people. Son, you're going to sit at my, my right hand, and at the end of time and all into eternity, you are the winner. You, no one will stand against you, and this plan is being made in eternity past. I hope. 
hope you listen to some aspect of, of World Magazine or uh, their podcasts, their different things, their various publications. Uh, we, we still get the, you know, the published magazine, but you can get it different ways. We can get it online too. Um, and you, you, they have something with, um, the, with World News Group, WNG.org, they have something called listening in. Uh, I, I listen to a, an interview. The, uh, the, the interviewer picks different people, Oz Guinness, uh, Marvin Olasky, Clarissa Mall, who is, is talking about her um, recently deceased husband's book, Rob Mall's Art of Dying. I heard the one about Oz Guinness, who is, he's meant to me, it meant a lot to me over over these years, ever since we were in college, I guess, writing about the dust of death and you know, being influenced so much by, by uh, Francis Schaeffer and, and still continuing on in his 90s. He was being interviewed there, but it's called Listening In. What we get to do in Psalm 110 is we get to listen in on a conversation that took place not in the Garden of Eden, not on the six days of, of active creation or the seventh day of, of, of rest, but in eternity past. And we get to hear a, a discussion of the plan of your salvation in Jesus in eternity past where the Father says to the Son in verse 1, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You're, feet, you're going to be the... The Messiah, you're, you're, you're chosen and anointed, and you will carry out salvation. There's, there's going to be a fall, and there's going to be a need for a redeemer, and you're going to be the redeemer. Second Samuel 7 talks about the promise to David, and it says in Second Samuel 7, 8, it says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, this is God speaking to Nathan, Nathan the prophet getting ready to talk to David. Nathan supposed to say to David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. And he's saying, You're not going to build my house, my, my temple. It's going to be your son. It will be Solomon. Uh, it will be your son. And then it, then it says, When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, of course, that is talking about Solomon, but that's not all who it's talking about. It goes beyond that. It says in verse 13, 2 Samuel seven thirteen, He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, Solomon did build the temple. Uh, he did obey God in that process. It's a beautiful temple. And his, his kingdom was established, and people came to him, you know, Queen of Sheba and so forth, came to him to find out about wisdom because he is a type of Christ as well. He's a, he's a picture of Christ ahead of time. But his kingdom, Solomon's kingdom, did not, did not last forever. But the descendant who came through David to, to Mary, who was descended from David, Jesus 
would be that descendant, and his kingdom would be forever. It says, I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, ah, there's the cross. Jesus doesn't commit iniquity, but he takes that iniquity upon himself. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. There is the suffering. There is the humiliation. There is the sacrifice of the perfect, spotless Lamb of God for you and me. My loving kindness shall not depart from him, that's Jesus, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. You and your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. And there is the exaltation. So the, so the people in Jerusalem would be able to be ready to say, Son of David, have mercy on me. Lying at the side of the road, needing his help, needing his healing. Son of David, have mercy on me. The Messiah was going to be the son of David. The history of redemption is, a, is partially about the merging of David's reign with Christ's reign. That's a, that's a strong emphasis of, of, of Palmer Robertson. When we've been talking as we've been going through this last section of Psalms about Jehovah being the king, Malak. Uh, Melech meaning king and Malak meaning he reigns, Jehovah reigns in the person of King David's greater son. Psalm 110 teaches wonderful things about Jesus. The Bible is tied together this way. You have, for instance, prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament. And then those truths are run through the wisdom literature, and we see all three of those in Psalm 110. And then it comes out the other end, and it all shines a light on Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king. So in verse 2, we have Jesus is the great prophet. By the power of his word and spirit. Verse 2, the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter, or King James would say, rod of your strength. Other versions would say, rod of your power. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies, King James would say. Jesus is the word of God, and God speaks, and it is done. His rod is his word. You think about Moses' rod. That was not magical equipment. You know, his rod didn't make, the rod, in a magic way, it did not make any water part at all. It was a staff. It It was a stick, a stick of wood. But if you had been there when he lifted it up above the Red Sea, you would have understood that it was God's word that he was giving the people, and when God said, do this, and he did it with a stick, then it's the word, the power of God himself, that that, that divided the Red Sea. Um, If you had been there when when Moses obeyed that time and, and struck the rock and caused the waters to flow freely from the flinty rock, you would have understood It wasn't a magic stick. He was doing what God had said. Exodus 17 says, 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock. I, God saying, the Lord, Jehovah, I will stand before you there on the rock. It's really Jesus at, at, at Horeb. And you will strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. But you know that the rock is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 4. Uh, all ate the same spiritual drink. All drank the same spiritual, uh, spiritual food, spiritual drink. For they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them. 1 Corinthians 10, 4. That rock was Christ. Christ rules by his word. Spurgeon says, Moses rod brought water out of the flinty rock and the gospel of Jesus soon causes repentance to flow in rivers from the once hardened heart of man. Let the gospel be preached with divine unction, blessing of the Holy Spirit, and the chosen of the Lord will respond like like troops in the day of mustering of armies. They come arrayed by grace in shining uniforms of holiness for number, freshness, beauty, and purity. They are as the dewdrops which come mysteriously from the morning's womb. I mean, what a picture. The gospel goes forth. Jesus, the prophet, gives us the truth, and we respond. Now, the picture in my mind goes back to 1987 in williams Bryce Stadium. No, it wasn't a football game. Um, well, we were at the top of the, uh, of the stadium. Uh, our second son was born in 81, so he was about six. And Billy Graham was 99, because he was born in 1918. And I knew Just As I Am was coming, and uh, I tried to tell the children to you know, if they, want, if they wanted to go down front, uh, that um, just, just let me know. There would, there would be plenty of time to go down front, but we were way up at the top of the stadium. Well, uh, we waited until, you know, one of the last couple of verses and had to sort of rush down a long way to get down to the front. But the, the picture in my mind is twofold. One is my son going down and meeting with a counselor, a sweet lady, to give him the gospel that Billy Graham had just been preaching and other people uh, had been singing about. And we had been singing about. But the other is, the gospel went forth. The rod of God's strength struck hearts all around Williams-Brice Stadium. And people came down. Yes, the first ones that came down were the, the, the counselors and those that, that needed to be there in time for the others to come down. But plenty of people came down. And they had, it had an impact in their lives, certainly did in our son's life. I don't know whether I'll ever get to see anything like that again. We did see it once again, took young people to Charlotte to see him in the stadium there. Are we going to get to see something like that happen? But it is happening now. It's happening in prisons in China. It's happening all across India. It's happening in the United States. It's happening all around the world. Jesus is ruling as a prophet. He's, that gospel is going out, and he's preparing us for his second coming. Verse 4, 
teaches us about his being the great priest, the great high priest. The heart of the psalm is verse 4. It's the heart of the psalm because it's verse 4 out of 7. That's the way psalms are often structured, but it's also because of what it says. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He's the king, Melki, as we've been talking about, Malak, Melek. Melki means king of and Sedek, like Neil Sadaka, is, is uh, righteousness. Sadaka was uh, born of, of uh, Lebanese Jews, uh, and his, his name means righteousness. So Melki Tzedek is the, the king, is the king of righteousness. He was also the king of peace. This is a picture of Jesus. No, Melchizedek is, is not Jesus. It's clear that the New Testament says he's like Jesus because his parents are not, um, not recorded as Levi's were, and he has nobody following him as Levi did. Jesus could not be a Levitical priest because he wasn't from the tribe of Levi. He's from Judah. He had to come from somewhere outside the tribe of Levi. And he's, therefore, he's very much according to the order, and there were no more after Melchizedek. It was just by himself. But he was one to whom Abraham gave tithes. Uh, of course, he had a mother and a father. Of course, he had a birthday. Of course, he died on a certain date. But it is not recorded, which is an indication about how seriously we should take every single word, every single phrase and sentence in the Old Testament the way Jesus took it, the way David took it, for that matter. He's the great high priest. And, and Hebrews talks about Melchizedek and talks about Jesus being the greater priest. Jesus, Hebrews says it's better, better, better. Jesus is better than Levi. Jesus is better than David. Le- Jesus is better than Aaron. Je- Jesus is better than Moses. Uh, and, and for the, all the Old Testament, including Melchizedek, at 2000 B.C. and then 1000 B.C., it all points forward to Jesus. And then he's the king. Verses 5 and 6, Melchizedek is, is the king. The Lord at your right hand will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will come back. He is preparing. The gospel is preparing the people to be prepared for their final redemption and for those who reject him uh, to, to go off into eternal punishment. He, he came as Savior. He exists as Savior. As, as Chad and Sandy sang, he is at the mercy seat. You want to approach the prophet, priest, and king? Talk to him now. His arms are open. The mercy seat is open. You can pray to him right now and ask forgiveness of your sin. He is the great king. He came as Savior. He will come as judge. And verse 7 talks about his drinking from the brook by the wayside, and therefore he will lift up his head. This is a picture of Samson. Uh, there are a lot of ways to understand it, but I was sitting in class in seminary, a man who was teaching us about how the Old Testament and the New Testament point to Jesus, that he's coming, and then going, it's biblical theology. His name was Ed Clowney. He was our seminary president. He, he would teach us about that, and sometimes... And I remember two psalms particularly he was teaching about. He just stopped teaching and he just started preaching. And Psalm 110 was one of them. And he talked about how Samson, after he had killed all those Philistines with the jawbone of the donkey and and was victorious, 
then he almost died. He, got, he was dehydrated. And he needed the Lord's help. And he says, says he became very thirsty. He called on the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. But the Lord split the hollow place that is in Lehi so that the water came out of it, and he drank, and his strength returned, and so he revived. And that's a picture of Jesus. He, when he finishes on the cross, he says, It is finished. And then he's buried. But his head is lifted up. He is given that water of refreshment. He is given the stamp of approval by his father. And he is lifted on high. The exaltation of the victorious king. He will, he will drink by the brook from the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Jesus is the great prophet. Jesus is the very word of God. Uh, Aaron is a priest in the Old Testament. Psalm 110 connects him with Jesus. Jesus is the great high priest. I'm not a priest. Dave's not a priest. You can't find a priest here on earth. Not a priest that stands between you and the... There's only one mediator, and his name is Jesus. David was David's... Christ was David's son and David's Lord... He was humiliated, Joseph was humiliated, Samson was humiliated, everybody was humiliated in the Old Testament, it comes through Psalm 110, Jesus was humiliated, but he will be, he has been exalted, and he is exalted. Why do you need Christ as a prophet, as, as, is, as Jesus is presented in Psalm 110? Because you and I are ignorant, Child's Catechism says. We need, we need the truth. And he gives us the truth by the word of his power and his spirit. Why do you need him as a priest? Because you're a sinner. Because you're guilty. And why do you need him as a king? Because you're weak and helpless. And you have sins inside. You have, you have difficulties outside. Come to Jesus. He is all you need. All you need to know. All you need to pay for your sins. All you need as he, he defends you from and conquers all his and your enemies. And the promise he made, the promise he received from the Father back before the foundation of the world, he carries out with you in his arms throughout all eternity. Put your trust in him. And it's like we were saying to the children with regard to the woman at the well. This living water is for those who put their trust or who believe in him. He ever lives above for me to intercede. His all-redeeming love, his precious blood to plead. His blood atoned for every race. His blood atoned for every race. And sprinkles now the throne of grace.